What are your writing dreams? Finishing that book, quitting the day job, becoming a best-selling author? Well, over four years, we've studied the advice of over 300 best-selling authors who've collectively sold over half a billion books. And we are excited to announce the Best Seller Academy. If you're ready to take your writing to the next level with accountability, craft, and coaching, your bestseller dreams are now only a click away. To find out more and apply, visit bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. That's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and to inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark DeVoe. And I am Mark Stay, and today's show is sponsored by wonderful patrons. Our new ones include Jack Logan, Fadzi Kasambira, Sage Gordon Davis, and many, 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 many more. And without you folks, we wouldn't be able to keep this show going. So a huge thank you to all of you, and a happy four years to you, Mr. D. How's it going? Uh, absolutely brilliant. Happy birthday, Mr. Stay, or happy birthday to the podcast, we should say. We started yeah. the podcast four years years ago and we always joke about this but little did we know what we we're letting ourselves in for well four years old i mean we're like potty trained by now we're, we're looking forward to going to big school uh we've learned our abcs and all of our numbers um so yeah i think we should celebrate i think we should set now i've brought here we go now this is for the video viewers only but you know you can hear it on here i brought a colin the caterpillar Marks and Spencer's Colin the Caterpillar cake here, which it says on here, he is what he eats. What does that mean? He's made of chocolate? What? And, and I'm celebrating with American champagne, uh, Coke Zero. Oh, fantastic. And, and so, I'm celebrating uh, yeah. with the largest mug Canada has ever seen. Yes, this is actually, <laughs> it's more of a barrel. Um, but this is my mug. So congrats. So welcome to everyone. And we want to welcome, we have a live studio audience with us today. We've invited to our birthday party, all of our patrons and Academy members. And we have a load of people in the house. We want to welcome everyone who's showing up. People are coming in all the time. We want to welcome everyone. Thank you so much for coming. And we have decided to do something a bit funny today. Mr. Stay's actually getting the Colin the Caterpillar cake. I've actually taken a screenshot of this article, so we'll be able to put it on the website. If you want to see a picture, if you want, if you're new to this podcast, where you've got no idea what Colin the Caterpillar cake is, I mean, you've got to see this photo, the glee, the glee on Mr. Stay's face right now. He's actually just beheaded Colin um, and he's, he's already getting stuck in. I'm going to bite this his face off. This a very interesting episode. Ah. Um, he's just biting off the head of Colin the Caterpillar. This is the first time we've actually done this live on the show. If anyone doesn't know what this is about you've got to go either listen back to the first season or read our book back to reality where colin makes an appearance um but it's a bit of a legendary cake that you can buy from marks and spencers um in the uk and uh yeah it's kind of been a running theme throughout the throughout the show so anyway how does it taste mr stay because i was going to nip down to mns and then realized i was actually in canada and <laughs> we don't have them over here <laughs> I'd like to ask everyone, if you've got any questions for us today, what we're going to do today is we're doing it a bit different. As it's our birthday, we're going to have a, a ask us anything. And we've got, we've got a lot of questions which have been asked um, 
in the in the house. So we're going to start by um, actually, I'm going to start by by bringing up the questions that we've had from our um, folks on the BXP team and in the academy. And if you've got any questions that you want to ask, just pop them in the question box below. So, Mr. Stay, did you did you want to fire off the first question? Because I think we've we've got a lot of great questions to get. Through. Well, but we've got one from our our, our friend Julian Barr. <laughs> Will you keep the podcast going when you're bajillionaires? Um, <laughs> over to you, Mr. D. <laughs> you're bloody right. <laughs> you know what's really interesting, though? Four years ago, when we started the podcast, we were kind of getting on the beginning of the upward trend. And now it's like every single person is talking about either doing or starting a podcast. And I think what's fascinating, there's something that's changed massively in the last couple of months, and that's that Spotify have decided to get into podcasting in a big way. And there have been some ridiculous deals absolutely bonkers deals with the Kardashians um, and a, a number of other people. And I mean, there's one deal that Spotify have done where they have offered somebody a hundred million dollars for exclusive rights to their podcast. So Mr. Stay, um, where should we start the bidding at? Do we hear one pound? One pound for anyone? <laughs> <laughs> exclusive rights for the best experiment podcast. Drop us a note F on it. 50p, 50p. On, 50p. <laughs> All right, 25 pence. Do they still, they don't even have 25p pieces, do they, in England? We do over here in Canada. But it, it's kind of interesting. Pieces. I think I am actually very excited about the podcasting world because I think, I really do think podcasts are starting to mature. But here's the thing. I, I want to put this question out to every author out there that's thinking of starting a podcast. I think we're going to see a merging of audiobooks and podcasts and all kinds of new formats for delivering your stories so if you're thinking of starting a podcast don't do it for the money that's my advice um because there isn't much um what i what i what i would recommend though is do it for the if you want to do it do it for the experience of actually like this doing it in front of a live audience or just learning how to talk on the fly and and you know um, it's a lot of fun but it also i remember thinking back march remember the first couple of episodes we did we were looking a little bit kind of finding our way in just how all this worked, weren't we? Mm. Yeah, it was um, – it's interesting because I've, I've got my diary. I'm going to – shall I talk – I've got a diary entry about – because weirdly, because I, I keep it – I've been keeping a diary for about 15 years now. And weirdly, I don't mention the conversation we had. I found an email from 2014 that you sent me. Uh, regarding robot overlords because i put some i think i put the trailer up and it was the first contact you you just messaged me on facebook and said this is amazing living the dream kind of thing let's do something and then you know nothing for like two years <laughs> and then i've got a uh, wednesday 17th of august 2016 i had a very productive skype call with mark d tonight we could be recording our first podcast next week exclamation mark and then on saturday the 20th of august no no friday the 19th mark d and i plowed onwards with the podcast prep uh, i've designed a little social social media lozenge and we've been testing microphones his is much much better than mine and as you can see nothing has changed because my mic just died a minute ago uh but <laughs> microphone envy that's something you don't often hear about but um I got, I got the diary entries for the launch day. Do you want to hear that? Do you want to hear that as well? So Monday, 17th of October. So we, we're two days early, but we, you know, we're, um, so we shot, we shot to number six on the arts and lit chart on iTunes. Remember when we thought that was important, R rising to number four throughout the day. We have a dozen ratings, 11, five stars, one, four star, and one short, but positive review. And then on 
Tuesday, a couple of days later, 500 downloads on the podcast. Now, we're well over 500,000 now, aren't we, <laughs> at least? So um, really good first reviews and star ratings topped out. Number three on the Art and Lit chart. Good stuff. Uh, so, yeah, you know, we got off to a cracking start. Absolutely cracking starts. I'm really happy with that. It was a bonkers first couple of months because we had, um, well, we also had um, some big names really early on as well. We were very fortunate. Um, And, and of course, the thing that I find fascinating is we're coming up to the US election. And it's like we're in this four-yearly cycle now because the US election happened um, around the time when we were interviewing Brian Cranston. And that was one of the things that really sparked. You've got something in there as well, haven't you? This was one of our biggest moments. We're kind of jumping ahead to some of the questions down the road, but one of one Sorry. of the biggest moments for us. Actually, let's save that. Let's save that one for later. Right, it, right, 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 yeah, right. We don't wanna, let's, let's spread the Dahari <laughs> entries out. Um, so, Mr. Sir, I've got a question from you from Jack Harmon. Thank you, Jack, for sending this in. Um, have you sold the movie rights to Back to the Future? And who would be the casters related? Back, back to reality, not Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> nice it's try. Really live. I think really live. I think they've been sold. <laughs> back to reality's done, been done, isn't it? Yeah, just a couple. Of times. Well, Back to reality, reality. No, we we haven't we haven't sold the movie rights. Uh, but I did knock together a rough first draft of the screenplay just in case anyone comes knocking. It needs work. Um, who would you cast in the lead roles? Asked Jack. Um, you know what? I've been. I would love. She's not old enough yet, so let's wait ten years. That's shall why we? we haven't sold. I think rights, right? Exactly, because I'm waiting for Adele to hit forty-two. Because I think Adele, I reckon she's actually probably a really good actor, and she's got the voice. She's got that voice, you know. So I think she'd be great as Joe. And uh, and then if, if Adele did that role, she would. Oh no, it wouldn't be her. It'd be an, it'd be the younger version of her that would sing an Adele song. Yeah, but we could de-age her like they did in The Irishman, you know? We could just de-age her. It's easy peasy, you know? So, uh, yeah, Adele or Beyonce, you know? E- yeah, either well, would be just... Well, Lady Gaga's just, done yeah. it. We Okay, so here's a little secret. When we started writing Back to Reality, for all those of you who read it, and for all of those of you who are going to rush out and buy it off Amazon right now, we were thinking of who, who which character... You know, we looked at lots of different characters, and our main character... Um, there was there was some other kind of there's the antagonist in there and we looked at a lot of um other um artists out there and we, we kind of created an avatar of all these different artists and i said to mark when we were writing the book i really want diamond who's the the antagonist to be played by lady gaga and i remember you laughing at me going lady gaga you got me joking and that was before she started acting and before she won a friggin' Oscar. And I thought, God, if we if we had pushed push the book to her at that stage before she got big and famous in the acting world. But I'm still holding a light out for Lady Gaga as, as Diamond. And definitely, bless his socks, Danny DeVito has to be Laurie. <laughs> <laughs> for anyone who's read the book, I would love Danny. Ray Winston. I love Ray Winston. Oh, Ray would be good as well, yeah. <laughs> Anyone yeah, yeah, can do a yeah. good nor the good Cockney accent has got the got the role. Actually, um, if if you've got any ideas, if you ha- if you if you read the book and you're in the studio audience, which who would you like to see cast in the main uh, in the main uh, roles? Because we could actually reach out to them, and uh, that might be a good way. Of Mike doing. says, Mike says we all need de aging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, excellent. I'm not, I'm not going to do it by eating cake, but you know, no, there we go. No, exactly. Watch us age over the next hour, folks. Brilliant. Next question. 
Next question. Jeff White. Jeff Jeff White says, what are you proudest of that has come out of the podcast? Thank you, Jeff. Mr. Dean, what are you proudest of? I, I'm actually, the thing I'm most proud of is the fact that we're still here. Because <laughs> I'll tell you what. Oh, yeah. Mark and I have had our ups and downs. Let's be honest. We've had we've had a lot of a lot of stress doing this podcast and a lot of brilliant fun. And I think for me, testimony that we're we're here doing this to do it for four years. A lot of podcasts start and they finish after a month or two. People realise, you know, it's only really once you start doing them you realise how much work they are and how much effort it is to keep them going. And so I'm I honestly I'm I'm proud as of the fact that we're still going and I feel like we've got so much more to explore. One thing I've learned through this podcast is there's always something new to learn from each other and from everyone listening and from our amazing guests as well um but yeah i'm proud of the fact that we're still going and uh, and that people are still listening um in fact that everyone's you know still listening and the podcast becoming more and more popular every week just keeps us fired up and is is just um, yeah. you know, fuel in our tank how about you mr stay what's your proudest moment um it's all these guys it's all these guys here anyone and anyone who's written a single word because of the podcast. I mean, that's a win. I mean, look at this. Look at this pile of books. Look, look, that's half a pile of books. I'm just going to put that there. There's another pile of books there. Uh, you know, Penilla, uh, S.E. Moorhead, uh, Ian Sainsbury, Lorna Cook, uh, Steve Gowland, uh, you know, G.M. White, uh, uh, Mark Hood. You know, the, uh, you know, we've got Sage. Uh, we've got uh, Robin. We've got Julian, uh, Rosemary, Mike, Jack, uh, Jenny. Neil, Neil Bainan, uh, Paul, you know, so many of these people, Craig, so many of these people are here tonight. And I'm just, I'm just, you know, and I'm calling some of these people friends now, you know, they're, they've become our podcast family and I am proud to know them. And I'm just so honoured to have been part of their, their writing journey, you know, and it's a real honour. It, it really is just a complete honour. And, you know, that's... Uh, it's it's the most unexpected thing because I you know we talked about doing a book together, uh, and you know w- would we make it? Would we do it in twelve months? And I said you know there's bound to be someone out there who's got a half written book. You know there's got to be one person, and there's you know at least twenty there, and there's well, more the out there that, that yeah they're the ones we we yeah. know about, yeah, yeah. and the ones that have sent you yeah. books. We know that there are hundreds possibly thousands of books that have been maybe rebooted restarted maybe pushed over the finish line um exactly and we got we got award winners here you know Lorna's won awards uh you know ian's won awards as you know there's people who've you know oh it's just incredible absolutely incredible so that that is you know that's my proudest achievement by far stick absolutely brilliant and actually one of the one of the best things about doing this podcast is getting the emails from all of you um, we have had, honestly, it's a treasure trove now, and I keep every single one. I save it in a special folder on my computer. Um, and it's these incredibly heartfelt emails where people tell us about their journey as an author, and they talk about, you know, if, if and how the podcast has helped them. And, and I think those those are those kind of special notes that you get, um, which you treasure forever, I think, because um, – I think for a lot of us right now, I mean, when we're writing books, we're trying to help change people's lives and worlds. I mean, it's, you know, it's about how can your words affect someone in a, in a deep and meaningful way in whatever way that is lifting them out of depression or um, inspiring them to become an author. Um, yeah. There's so many different things that happen when you write a book. And so for us, the kind of version of that of the podcast is hearing about your stories and how you've you've overcome adversity we've had so many incredible stories of people who 
have, have gone through so many incredibly difficult times and and yet writing has kept them going that's been the constant in their life or the thing they've always that's always drawn them back to a kind of a, a centered kind of stability in their life and getting those heartfelt emails are are truly incredible so i want to just say thank you and i know mark does as well to every single one of you that's emailed us in the last four years and um you know because i think those emails also are the things that that keep this podcast going as well hearing about those things so i um i'm i'm absolutely with a massive heartfelt thanks to everyone on that as well i've got tons of things yeah. happening in the chat right now um trey says it may sound soppy but i actually talk back to you both when i listen to the podcast <laughs> that's lovely i've also finished one of those uh, i'm on also one of those with two kinds of finished books who thanks to the bit to bxp got back to writing after break for a career change that took so much brain power and um and and traces thanks for that thank you for sharing that trey that's incredible to hear and chris says your podcast got me interested in taking my dream of writing a novel seriously I'm now in the BXP Academy and loving it. Thank you. Well, Chris, it's absolutely wonderful having you in the Academy and also having you here today. And thank you for sharing those, those words. Um, so, and I want to say just a, a quick well done to James because James Sharp said, I was doing my 200 words for joining this live stream. Or my good 200. That's good. And actually on that note, I do need to thank you for reminding me, James, because we do need to encourage people to get over to the website um, to sign up for our five-day challenge. If you're thinking of um, wanting to create a writing habit, uh, an ongoing writing habit, and really get it established in your life, regardless of how busy your life is. We've set up the um, 200 word a day challenge and you can try it for five days. Just go along and do a thousand words in a week and see how it shifts and changes things. It's all about taking small measures, folks. If you want to try that, pop along to um, bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash BXP 2020 and uh, you can read all about it there. Mike says, as I sit here trying to finish book three, I blame you for everything. Now, Mike, Mike, that's book three of your mega, mega Galantz book deal, isn't it? That was, you know, so, uh, you know, we salute you, sir. I'm in awe of your achievement. So get on with it. But, but after Absolutely. Yeah, back to work, podcast. Mike. This <laughs> um, is Mr. Mike, who just so people realize the, the kind of royalty that we're, we're with. Mike was nominated for the Carnegie Medal, which... <laughs> It's pretty no. massive. So congratulations, Mike, for that as well. I mean, hugely inspiring. And as I've said to Mike, I demand now not a nomination next time, but the actual award. I want you to bring it to the Bestseller Academy and show us the pictures. Actually, that might be Mike Shackle. Oh, because okay. we've got Mike. We got Mike Ravel, who's who's published by like Quercus and you like you say major Carnegie Award winner. And then we've got Mike Shackle. From Golan. I mean, it's like, you know, we've got award winners here, award nominees there. I mean, this is four years. This is amazing. Absolutely brilliant stuff. All right. Next question, Mr. Today. Um, the question from, it's actually around similar kind of questions. Tom Foote. Welcome, Tom. Tom's an Academy member. He said, what are your writing and podcasting goals for the next four years? That's a big question. Mr. Well, writing, writing goals. Well, I... Um, you can have a cover reveal for my, my book soon, and finally I'll be able to talk about the bloody thing. But it's coming in February. It's the first of a three-book deal. I'd like that three-book deal to turn into uh, another three-book deal. So I'm working on the series, The Witches of Woodville. That's going to take up a lot of my time over the next few years. I'd really like to build that into something extraordinary. Um, I'm working the film. It hopefully should be out next year. Um, 
already working on sorry the cake is giving me windy pops um already working on ideas too much for a sequel <laughs> sorry and uh, and uh sequels and uh, other tv and film ideas as well so you know getting those in my bag so i you know i've got a very busy four years but i do want to keep podcasting i do want to keep going uh because i i i love talking to authors because i i, I swear um this is going to answer a question that comes later on, which was, you know, how have you changed? I, this, this podcast has made me a better writer. No question whatsoever. Talking to authors every week for this podcast, I've just learned so much and it's, it's changed me. So um, I, one way or another, I'm going, to, I'm going to keep doing that. Right, back to my cake. What about you, Mr. D? What your well, goals? I think, I mean, the next, for me, for me, one of the most exciting things right now is building the academy because what I've seen in just the first month and a half that we've been doing the Academy, everyone that's joined the bestseller Academy are absolutely dedicated and serious about becoming bestselling authors. And there's this incredible spirit amongst them um, and an incredible camaraderie as well, which I love to see. There's so much support going on. And it's something that I've always dreamed of creating is this like kind of place where you show up to be the very best that you can be as a writer and that's what we've got. We've got the most incredible group of people. Um, so that's going to be taking up a lot of my time over the next number of years. Um, in terms of writing, I am absolutely determined to get my, I've got a, um, a really interesting um, screenplay that I've written, the first ever screenplay I've done. I did it really I'm dying to read I this. I want to read this. I, I honestly, I, you know, it's, it's, it's more of an, ex, it is an experiment as everything is, as we know on this podcast, but I'm kind of curious as to how it gets received. And I, I've got a dream about that. I'll, I'll, I'll share the dream declaration right now. I'd love to bash it into shape well enough so that I can pitch it and go through the whole process of pitching it for a potential Netflix series. Um, so that's one of the things I'm really focusing on. I have, I still have my children's book, which I was originally, I think I said about two years ago, I was going to try and learn how to, to illustrate in order to illustrate the characters, but realized that it, that's a lifetime journey, just learning how to become an incredible artist. And I've got, as a result of going through that process, I've gained such a huge respect for illustrators. So if anyone's out there that illustrates children's books, huge respect, because I realized just how incredibly talented you have to be and how much dedication you have to put in. So I think I might be looking for an illustrator for that book or pitching it to a major because um, I think I might have a little bit of a um, uh, a special children's book to get out there. And then I have got, I still got this big dream. I've got a number of books, which I've kind of um, either part written or finished now, which are more along the personal development side of things, but I'm trying to bash those into more of a storytelling format. So they're, it's nonfiction, but more in a storytelling format. And I really do want to draw a lot of what we've learned on the podcast um, and start to put out some books around things on personal development, um, maybe some workbook things, which are kind of relevant. Um, and I'm also getting fascinated by habits. This 200 words a day thing has really opened my eyes to how the small things in life can completely change everything that we're able to accomplish. So I'm kind of going, starting to go a little bit deep in that. So I might do some work around that. But yeah, to, as always, too many things, too many things going on in, in, in one go, and I have to learn how to focus. That's probably my biggest learning for the next four years. But I don't think I'm alone with that. I don't think I'm alone with that. Um, next question for you, Mark, um, from Mike Mike Revel, who we talked about earlier. Mike wants to know. What's the most, this is a brilliant question. What's the most useful tip or strategy you've learned from the podcast that you apply to your writing now? Um, 
will write every day, which I just want to qualify that because, you know, I was largely doing that anyway. And Sarah Pimbra's Think Every Day uh, I found really, really helpful. Uh, but let's just say the, the write every day thing, I don't write every day. I don't. Uh, I, I mean, I do, but I don't. But when I'm in the middle of a draft, I'm writing every day. Uh, at the moment, I'm, I've got to read my proof pages, which is the next thing I do. And I just can't write every day when I'm doing that. But I am thinking about, you know, the book and what have you. I'm always doing something that's moving me forward. Uh, but it's like when you when you start a musical instrument, if you're learning to play the piano or the guitar, you have to practice every day. Otherwise, you won't get anywhere. But if you get to a point where you know where all the notes are, um, you don't necessarily have to practice every day. But, you know, you keep your hand in kind of thing. Uh but, you know, that's where the thinking every day, that's where someone like Sarah Pimbra, who clearly knows how to write a novel or two, doesn't feel she has to write every day, but she's always, you know, it's always turning over. And like I said, just talking to authors every week for the podcast, that's been keeping my story mind turning over in, in incredible ways. The other, the other great bit of advice was Joe Hill, who was basically saying, write what gives you joy. You know, write the stuff you want to see, the most exciting thing. And I've I've applied that all my writing ever since you know you you kind of think oh there's an obligatory scene that needs to go here i need to do this i need to do that or is it going to be a bit of a trudge actually no sod that i'm just going to write the thing i want to see next and um that that has uh that has really really helped and um both erica james and karen matthews said the same thing as well which is right from the heart which uh sounds you know a little bit hallmark cardi initially you know it might be a bit you know but actually if you don't write from the heart, it don't mean nothing. And that's probably the biggest change to my writing since starting the podcast. I try to give it some big emotional oomph. And I'm delighted to say that the book I've got coming out in February has made people cry for the right reasons. So, um, so not because it's so, yeah, yeah. So it's not that my, my agent going, oh my God. No, it's, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. It's that that's that that's brilliant. Nice what? That's brilliant. Yeah, I think. Well, I think you know, if you write, if you write what with what give, if you write from something from the heart, then you write a book with a heart. Okay, and that's really there's a lot of heartless books out there. There's a lot of books out there that don't shift you emotionally. And for me, I think one of the biggest learnings I've, I mean, I've, I can't even begin to list the things that I've learned through this podcast, through everyone out there in the in the writing world and from the interviews and from you as well mark i mean it's just there are so many things but i i actually look at story differently now mm. i look at story as the very fabric of of what our society is made of as the very thing that yeah. we use to pass down from age to age everything we know and all the knowledge that we have and just how important story is in in any form of engaging people and that's the first part. And for me, the second part is then mirroring that with emotion. I think that, it's, and this is, again, another thing that I've seen in this crossover between music and, and, and the writing world is that in, in chatting with people at like Ed Sheeran and they talk about how they believe it's their songs that are connecting from one heart to another heart, you know, from the writer's heart to the, to the listener's heart. I've realized that exactly the same applies in the writing world. If you can connect to your reader's heart emotionally, that is the key. I think everything else you can you can slightly move out to the edges. If you've got that, if you're writing with heart and emotion, that's where you get a book that changes the world, that changes a reader's viewpoint on something that you know. And 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 that's the thing we always have to remember. And I think the other thing with all of this is the regularity that we've been doing the podcast is a reminder to just not just me and you, Mark, but everyone writing. 
is that we never stop learning and we often relearn. You know, we've got Sage on our, on our live audience right now. And Sage is one of these people who I remember she started tweeting about how she started re-listening to the entire podcast again. And we know that through building the academy, we've been going back and listening back to episodes and indexing them. You can never listen to and, and learn this stuff enough times because we do forget things. We, we, you know, we only retain a certain amount of information. And so this lifelong sense of going and, and becoming the best author that we can be is also about a dedication of a lifelong learning and re-listening and relearning. And I guess you call it reminding ourselves because it's only what we remember in the moment when we write that affects our writing. We don't take every single piece of information we've ever learned and put it into that no. paragraph, right? <clears throat> So no, exactly. And especially when you get to my age, you need to reinforce this stuff again and again and again. Sage, le Sage left a little note here. She says, my brother's a professional trumpeter. And he always says, if I don't practice for a day, I know it. If I don't practice for two days, my neighbours know it. If I don't practice for three days, the world knows it. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's so true. And actually, also just to kind of mention something that you said, Mark, earlier about like take, you know, not writing sometimes. I actually think, and, and taking the musical instrument, um, analogy further i used to live next door to a guy that practiced the piano for eight hours a day he got so good at it that he said to me i need to practice eight hours a day in order just to maintain my skill level so i i'm i'm going to challenge people out there and say even if you're editing a book even if you're not writing a book still try and write 200 words a day because there's something about just keeping the sh sharpening the saw every day that just keeps things it's like anything in life think about stretching you know if you if you stretch every day um, you don't feel the tightness in your hamstrings. And if you leave it for a week and you stretch again, it's like you can feel it. So it's like, try not to take a day off of writing, even if it's just writing anything for 200, 200 words, it just keeps that sore sharpened. Sage says she's done three full replays working on my fourth. Sage, that's against the Geneva Convention of Human Rights. Blimey. <laughs> that would be over nearly, a, that would be over a thousand hours of the podcast if sage has listened to it three to four coming up to four wow. time that's amazing well, we salute you sage we, we do salute in you. fact Fantastic. yeah you can become our librarian sage you'll probably know more about we more about the, the, the last four years of episodes than we do um great question that was really great thank you very much mike for that mark do you want to fire the next question yeah well again two that are quite kind of similar so steve gowland says how have you changed as people as a result of the podcast as your view of things changed from a life point of view and angela says what's the most surprising thing to come out of the podcast and i think those changes can be surprising can't they yeah i think so i think that i think actually the podcast has helped us from storytelling perspective not just in our own writing but in doing the podcast i mean podcasting's a very unusual thing you're kind of like it's like a radio show but it's not a radio show um you don't tend to script it too much um uh, you don't have these kind of bbc producers that come in and get rid of all your ums and ers and um cats scratching at the door which is what's happening right now my, my cat is trying to break into the studio right now <laughs> hearing any scratching noises let it but in it's not jack nicholson no if i let the cat in it's gonna be it does his thing it hops 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 and it will be right in front of the camera um, although there seems to be a whole cat thing going on in the academy. When we do our coaching sessions, everyone shows up with a cat. It's quite, quite incredible. Um, everyone wants to see the cat. Trey saying it's yeah. a bear. It could be a bear. As I mentioned the two yeah. weeks ago, I had a bear run past my studio. Um, but I think, I think what's, what's really important is that in terms of, 
in terms of the the fun that we have, I always look forward to a podcast recording. Now, there's a lot of things that we have to do in life, which you're like, oh, I have to do the bookkeeping or I have to do this or I have to do that. Things that you just feel like are a real drag and we all have to do it, unfortunately. But the podcast is one of those things that I've never thought, oh, I've got to do a podcast today. It's something I've no, always, no. I've always looked forward to doing I and I always feel better afterwards. It's always, it always lifts me for the week. Um, and you know what? I, I'll, I'll say this out loud now, but one of the things, one of the reasons why I've done this podcast from the beginning is, is I actually want to create a little treasure trove um, for my kids because I don't know which one of them may end up wanting to write. They're all fascinated by writing. Um, and I, and, you know, having gone through all the stuff that I've gone through in life in the last mm. few years, I realized the importance of lead, of creating things which are, which are time capsuled and recorded. And for everyone listening, that includes your book. I've said this enough times, but I'll say it again. Everything you write down is, is going to live forever. Right. And so for me, these podcasts, I, I kind of, I marvel at the idea of maybe in 200 years, my great grandkids going, oh, this was my great, great grandfather. And they may never have met me, but they, well, if you're there, kids, I'm going to say hello to you. My great, great grandkids. Hello. I'm here. I'm thinking of you and I wish I could be with you, but I hope these are useful and maybe give you a little insight into what these crazy times are that we lived in. Because, you know, we're yes. documenting 2020 as we speak, right? Paging my descendants from their uh, pandemic bunker. Uh <laughs> <laughs> just eat 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 my books or use them as as fire you know use them to make a fire whatever whatever gets you through the dystopian apocalypse Absolutely. um how about you mark what, I mean, what's changed you as a result of this podcast i uh i was never much of a joiner i had to think long and hard about before doing the podcast because i knew because i know what you're like <laughs> i knew that this would be this would be an all or nothing kind of thing and I thought, actually, this this could be because I, I I hated the idea of you know a writers group. I would never go to a writers group. I would never, you know, just give my script to some Yahoo that I'd never met before kind of thing. And now look at me, you know, podcast academy, you know, the BXP group. Uh, they're my family now. You know, it's my writing family. Like I said earlier, my peers. You know, the people I look up to and admire that I've come up with, and uh, that's that's probably the biggest change. I've certainly opened my mind up that way, uh, and I know that there are people out there. You know, the people who are here today. You know, these are our our, our best foot forward sort of vocal listeners. I know that there are going to be loads of people out there who listen to the show and never say a peep because I know that because I have several favourite podcasts and I never drop them a line. I never go to their live shows, I never, but I love them. I listen to them every week. So if you're one of those people, you don't have to step forward, but we love you too. Uh, you know, it's, um, again, yeah, we, we know because we see the weekly downloads and it's not, you know, the, the two dozen or so people coming to the live shows or, or whatever, or, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's much, 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 much more than that. So hello to you all. And, uh, you know, and the surprising thing is, is, you know, just the success of everyone around us. I mentioned it earlier. I mean, we got an email from Zach Erlocker this week, you know, who uh, I know is, you know, supports the show. He says, uh, just want to let you know, my brother and I have submitted the latest draft of our historical noir mystery novel, The Man from Middlework to our publisher. Took a couple more drafts than expected, but it's come out stronger as a result. I found the podcast to be a great resource to help me focus on the big picture, hear how other writers have tackled daunting writing or editing challenges as a never ending supply of positive encouragement i can't overstate how valuable that has been thank you for the podcast and the pearls of wisdom so you know that 
we get emails like that all and thank you zach and your brother and good luck to both of you with the book um you know and it's 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 made me a better writer and it's made me a better listener as well you know um so i think yes yeah, it's, it's definite change for the better yeah podcasting definitely teaches you not to interrupt doesn't it as in mm. like you know something that we do all the time in our normal day-to-day conversation but i remember always learning when i did some media training years ago and it wasn't for anything to do with podcasts um this idea of just letting people talk and when i did some, a lot of radio on the bbc I, I noticed that the presenters were very there was a very different way of talking and um so there's just a lot of incredible learning i also want to say thank you to everyone who's ever recommended this podcast to anyone or to mm, that podcast. Yes. sage actually just put a post in on the on the chat and she said um i'm always going on about the bestseller experiment on my podcast and my live stream so i hope that some of my listeners and viewers are coming over this way we have i mean really you know, we can only do what we do here, but it's all of the listeners. It's everyone out there who thinks of a writing friend, thinks of someone that might want to be inspired, thinks of someone who's maybe thinking of writing a book, and they put the they put the podcast their way. And we've had lots of stories of people who, you know, discovered us at many different points of of the journey. And you know, so thank you to everyone who's because word of mouth. We've said this over and over again about books, haven't we? We know that word of mouth is the only ultimate way to really yeah. get a bestseller. I mean, you can throw money and money and money at something, but word of mouth is the thing that drives it because it's proof, it's social proof that you have a great book. And, you know, the same on the same kind of note, thank you to everyone who's who's recommended this podcast. And if you haven't, if you can't think of someone right now that next time it does, please do, because it is the lifeblood of, of growing it and getting getting this out to more people. So fantastic. Um so there's a question here. I love, I love this question. This, I think this is from Angela as well. Uh, is there anything you would do differently if you could go back and change something? Any thoughts on that? I think I wouldn't have over-edited the first 20 episodes so much. I was so paranoid about the ums and ahs and all of those natural inflections. Really, I spent hours and hours. And before we got Dave, our editor, who came on board to help us, because it was taking me hours and hours, yeah. Um, I became a little bit too precious of trying to get like BBC level production. And I recognized that it's actually more about the spirit of what we're doing. And like we do wing it most of the time. And it's great because that's what life's about. Life's about winging it um, a lot of the time. Um, we're kind of pantsers when it comes to podcasting, I think, in a way, aren't we, Mark? But um, so yeah. I think that's yeah. that's what I would have changed in terms of the podcast. Um, I think would the big thing I would have changed as well is I would have given us more time um, to market our book because we ended up kind of writing the book right up to the end of that first year. It would have been kind of interesting to have written it in the first year and then marketed it in the second year and really given us a, you know, really documented the marketing process and in a huge way. I think I would have done that differently. Um, but not much else, Mark. How about you? Well, you know, there's a version of the show where we'd have written a book each solo and that would have been interesting. Well, like a head to head. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, how would we have done that? How, what would have called it back to reality version? I don't know. You'd have, version two. You'd have written. You'd have written your Tom Clancy techno thriller, and I'd have written some, you know, half-assed fantasy novel. <laughs> I sent you. I sent you. I sent Mark. No, we haven't talked about this. I remember when we were thinking about writing the book. I remember sending Mark a, a syn- one-page synopsis, and it was about car automation car do you remember that car automation and um it was a thriller about a car that that someone hacks into and takes over the world with um and you kindly said no 
I think maybe <laughs> you kind of like veered off into something else. So there's all kinds of other ideas that we came up with. I think we had kind of bits and pieces of different ideas. Um, but that would have been interesting, actually. I don't think it'd been as much fun though. Less arguments. No. No, less no, arguments. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, less yeah. debates, I should say. They weren't really arguments. They were spirited debates, weren't they? But I the thing is, I think the book that we got out of it, I, I would never have written that on my own. You know, and uh, it's it's a fantastic book, and that's a big surprise. That was a great gift out of that first year because it's uh, it's it's such a you know fun, uplifting book, and you know it's uh, people have taken great joy from it. So I, I think what we did in the spirit of cooperation um, worked out really well in the end. But yeah, there's a there's a there's a sliding doors timeline where you're now Tom Clancy too. And uh, you've walked away from the podcast and I'm still trying to get the end of magic finished. <laughs> uh, so Ed was asking how me and Mr. D met and decided to do the podcast. And um, it came out of Robot Overlords, actually. Mr. D got in touch, uh, I think, when I put uh, the trailer up on Facebook. And he was like, this is amazing, you know, living the dream kind of thing. And uh, we just got chatting and we decided we discovered we both loved podcasting. And he said that, you know, he'd um, he'd always wanted to write a book, but never got beyond 20,000 words. And I knew Mark from when I was a teenager. We didn't go to the same school, uh, but we had mutual friends and we went to saw each other at gigs and parties and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's um, that's, you know, we had this sort of, ties going back and lots of mutual friends so um so yeah that's how we that's how we met up uh and it's it's interesting you know it's just become so intertwined with each other's lives ever since so uh yeah yeah so that's how we got started still waiting for mr d to come back he's, he's disappeared oh power cut oh my gosh mr d's had a power cut he's, he's just messaged me on whatsapp give me a min okay i'll try and keep you going until the power comes back on oh my gosh that's incredible it's the bear the bear has bitten through the wires and uh and and cut off mr d crikey okay right well look let's um let's just put things on hold So, Mr. Stay, we just had a power cut during the live live recording of the podcast. First time in four years, but I'm back. It's that bear. Gonna, that bear striking through the power cables. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's no apples left on the tree, so brilliant stuff. So, Mr. Stay, what was the next question that we had? Ed Howard says he's always wondered how we met and decided to do the podcast. We sort of covered that a little bit, but I mean, we knew we went to different schools. We knew each other as teenagers. We saw each other at parties, and we had lots of mutual lots friends. Of, yeah. And sort of, you know, became Facebook friends and stuff. But it was, I think it was after Robot Overlords, I put the trailer up or something. You got in touch via Facebook. We said we should do something. You'd always wanted to write a novel, but never got beyond 20,000 words. So, you know, it all kind of kicked off from there, didn't it? It did, yeah. I know that we we kind of, we never really knew each other, knew each other, did we? Because we had, we had mutual friends. But I'd all, I always remember people... Some of my friends that were at your school often would talk about you. And I remember our mutual friend, Jeremy, who's actually just been on the podcast, funny enough. Um, originally, yeah. it was going to be a podcast between me, you and Jeremy, wasn't it? We were going to do a, a, a triumvirate yes. setup. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I think what's really fascinating is that 
Jeremy and a couple of other guys would always mention your name. So, oh, this Mr. You know, Stain, you were doing all these crazy theatre productions at your school. And so I was always kind of curious to kind of get to know you a bit better. And it was really that initial way that we connected on Facebook. It was the Ghostbusters um, post. That was the second oh, time. Yeah, yeah, the first yeah, time we actually yeah. just got had a Skype meeting and we just had a chat about, you know, I wanted to learn yeah. a bit more about what you'd done. And, and then you posted a Ghostbusters post about two years later. That was The Gap about something about a movie and they'd done this big thing up in Waterloo Station for the new Ghostbusters yeah. movie. And, and the, the big stay puffed marshmallow man's head coming head out was of the coming out of the, of Waterloo. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I think bizarre. that just reminded you that I existed and then you got I think in touch so, again. No, it's something, yeah, 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 something yeah. about movies. And I thought, yeah. and I think at that time, I can't remember what happened. I mean, I'm sure everyone's got a story about how they started their book or how they thought about doing a podcast. But I think around that time, we were maybe both thinking about podcasts. We were both enjoying them. Yeah. And that came up yeah, as yeah, a yeah. common thing. So, yeah, that's how it happened, which has been funny. So I haven't spent more time with anyone else, I think, Mr. Stay, than you. But following on the next question, when was the last time we met? in person <laughs> it's kind of bizarre isn't it yeah we I see each other for I, hours every week and yet we've only actually met a couple of times in the last few years face to face yeah i see the uh, we you think it was 2018 don't I you i think it was 2018 um, when i was last in the uk yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 we met in our we met in a again mutual friends one of our mutual friends is a pub baron baron stockhausen <laughs> he, he he collects pubs for a hobby and we went to one of his pubs in Ashdead. In fact, if people are ever going to write a uh, bestseller experiment guide, um, Leg and Mutton <laughs> in Ashdead. Leg and, Leg and Mutton in Ashdead. If you're ever passing through Ashdead, go and have a pint in Leg and Mutton. That's where Mark and I um, last met. And there's a photo, I think, somewhere on the site of us meeting in that pub. And we also, Mark also, I had a great tour around publishing company Hachette in London. I'd never been inside a big publishers before. And Mark was kind enough to take me inside and show me around. And you know what I remember seeing? I remember seeing a big bookcase in the open office, which were all these books, which were, were they review copies or books? They're usually, they're usually finished copies, actually. Certainly on the Orion floor, it's pretty much everything they published, you know, uh, that they've got in the archive. It's all archived on, on the office floor. So, yeah, it's um, there's one of everything, basically. Brilliant. Um, it's absolutely incredible. fantastic. It's incredible. Yeah. 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 And all, the, all yeah. the author's names written along the wall of every book that, yeah, that Hachette had fantastic, ever... Yeah, fantastic mosaic of every author that Hachette has ever published. Yeah. And, and Mr. Stay I mean, is on there. I'm in the stairwell on the way down to the bogs. Uh, Claire is on there as well for her children's oh, really? books. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's lovely. It's so you lovely, just never know what's going to happen. You get published. You sometimes you might even get your name written on a on a wall. Yeah, you end up um, as graffiti. Yeah. Graffiti. That's brilliant. <laughs> Living the dream, right? Living the dream. Living the dream. Stuff. Um, next question. Next question. Uh, Neil Bainan says, what's the trend in successful writers you feel everyone misses? And Laura Shep says, have you seen any unifying traits in best-selling authors, neuroticism, sense of humour, charisma, introvert tendencies? So have you seen any common threads uh, in yes. the authors we've spoken I, to? Thank you, Neil and Laura, for this question. This is a great question. I think one of the most amazing things that I've really seen in almost every author that we've had on the show and every author that I've met is that we're all completely normal people and we all have 
moments of darkness, moments of fear, and moments of questioning our abilities. I think one of the most amazing things is when you speak to a multi-million selling author and they say those words, you know, I'm currently working on my next book and I think it's a pile of pants. You know, it's like, I, for me, it just keeps reminding me that even though we look up to these people who have been, you know, like our, our, our author icons, every single one of those people have exactly the same fears and doubts that everyone else does. And I think it's really worth remembering that we shouldn't put these people on a pedestal as if they're superhuman beings. They, they struggle with the same challenges. And that is really encouraging for me and for everyone out there because we're all, we're all part of the same kind of, you know, makeup and celebrate those things but and absolutely don't let them stop you from writing because i think the biggest difference is the people feel the fear and do it anyway or they 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 question the doubts and they write anyway and they finish draft one and make draft two better that's probably the thing and they finish their books because let's be honest they can't you can't be a best-selling author without without a finished book i think those are the things that that really have made the group of people we've 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 seen succeed as best-selling authors stand out. Adam, Adam here says. Adam here says. It, Adam makes my point exactly. He says a published author is just an amateur who didn't give up, and that's Love the it. thing I've noticed is tenacity. Tenacity is such a great uh, trait. Is the wrong word. Uh, it, it's, it's it's the thing every writer needs. Even the ones who got it relatively easy, you know, you get authors, they wrote one book and they get a multi-million dollar deal or whatever. They still have to work hard to stay in the game. If anything, it's probably harder for them. Hmm. The rejection never stops. People poking their oar in never stops. And I've always admired those, those authors who are flexible enough to roll with the punches and retain their own voice. Who, uh, For them, the writing is everything. And, you know, I've spoken to so many writers who've said, even if they didn't pay me i'd still carry on writing which you should never tell your agent or publishers but you know they they do truly believe that and i think that tenacity because you know we've seen people who get deals and then the books don't sell or they lose their agent or their agent moves on to something i mean it's it's interesting i've got a um uh, a diary entry here about the the day that um the cranston thing went bonkers and we were going viral all over the world that's the same day that my previous script agent dropped me wow you know so that's you know blows hot and cold suddenly we're viral we're on fox news and everything all over the world and my agent says sorry i i I, i'm moving on and i'm not taking you with me you know so it's uh you you, it's just as long as you come the writing is my happy place and i think that for any writer who is passionate about what they do that will always be you know it's not say the writing is easy it's difficult it's complicated it can be baffling it can be infuriating but if you love going back and putting those words down and solving those problems, then I think you're, you're always going to be uh, a writer. And yes, Robin, you do have to finish it. She's put finish. We have to finish. Yes, finish. <laughs> I got a really good tip for finishing. Make the first two words of your novel the end and then just start from there. That's draft one. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, <laughs> fake, yeah. fake draft one. The end. Exactly. All right. Not? Actually, you know what? That isn't a, I, I joke, but that isn't a bad that isn't a bad um, bit of like visualization in my in my wonderful world of woo woo as people like to call it. But you know, write the end. Start with the end in mind, as, as uh, you know Stephen Covey once said. Write the words the end as your first book, and say, right, I've done draft one. I'm going to start draft two. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Um, I think there's there's another thing that um, a thing that people talk about in terms of traits that 
everyone typically misses? Because Neil said, you know, what are the trends in successful writers that you feel everyone misses? I think, you know, for me, it's not just about the perseverance. It's not just about the perseverance. It's about the habit building. Honestly, because you can have the best story idea in the world, but if you don't have a good habit to writing again, it's almost like you can have, you can, it's almost the habits of writing is like the car, right? You get in, if you've got good habits, you get in the car and you get momentum and you drive forward and you go anywhere you want. But not having good habits is a bit like trying to write a book by whilst walking on foot. You know, it'll take forever and you could end up getting lost and you get very tired very quickly and not going to make anywhere near the progress you could be making. So I want people, I want 2021 to be the year of people focusing on their writing habits. Cause I think without that, doesn't matter how good an author you are, you're missing the potential of maybe 10 times as many books that you could actually publish in your lifetime. And I've noticed in almost every single author we've interviewed, they're very, very habit driven. They have a very regimented way of writing. They, mm. They plan, they, you know, or, or they pants, but they, they still plan the pants, as it were. They, they have deadlines, they dedicate, they sit down, they have a schedule, you know, they know when they're going to write and, and they make it a priority in their life around, know that everything else will move around it if they make it a priority. So I think that's a biggie. And the final thing I'll mention very quickly is I think every author we've interviewed, whether they tell it to us or not, have, have secretly or openly dreamed about becoming a bestseller and i think that's part of it as well i think you have to believe it before it can happen and you know mm. four years of doing this podcast i think has proven a lot of that is true you know in terms of the successes we've actually seen absolutely richie says Stay, uh, um richie yeah yeah it says what's the hardest thing about balancing the podcast with writing and everything else you guys have been up to i mean you're your life is quite full up, isn't it, Mr. D? You've got... <laughs> it's bonkers. Single, you know, I think part of it... Um, I, I'm, I'm going to say this again out loud, but I'm my, the number of hours I have in the day now to do things have literally halved since, since my wife passed away. And so I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be that person. I'm trying to, um, you know, actions speak louder than words. And that's why habits are such a big thing for me right now, because I, I have to be so focused on what I can achieve in a, in a very short day now and leave a bit of time just to kind of relax and do other things. Um, so I think that the balancing, I mean, but this is, this, I mean, it's not just me. This is a common story for everyone out there. It doesn't matter if you've got um, kids, no kids, you're in retirement, you've got a full-time job. We've got people in the academy that have got incredible amounts of work to do and they're squeezing the academy in which is amazing and i think this is the biggest thing it's about how do you balance it for us the podcast has definitely taken away a lot of writing we could have done ironically but i think the value that we've got from doing the podcast has helped the words we write today absolutely for me it's the, the podcast is is like you know doing the course, doing a course, going to school, you know. I mean, since going full-time, I'm still really at the point where I can only write for two hours a day, which is what I was doing when I had a full-time job, you know. So I write first thing from about 7.30 to about 9.30, do a bit of housework and then come back and then do something else, do a bit of housework, you know. And those something else's are either academy things or podcast things or emails or, or you know, talking to agents and, and whatever and, and all sorts of – and hustling for work, you know. So it's um, – 
Yeah, it's it, but I'm you. You won't hear me complain because I I am living I'm living my best life at the moment. I I'm not going to complain. I've got this is everything I've ever wanted. I wake up, I commute from the top of the stairs to here. Uh, I start writing, uh, and you know sometimes people pay me for it. It's brilliant. It's just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and I want to remind everyone out there. Remember that living the dream is not about the milestone when you hit it it's not about getting that best-selling book it's not about selling a million copies it's not about getting the movie deal or your first autograph book or whatever all of those things that, that people dream of doing living the dream is sitting down and writing every day writing the first words of your novel when you're actually doing it you are living the dream the realization of the dream is the moment when something big happens but all of those words are living the dream to the point where you know, you get these amazing milestones in your life. And once those milestones happen, those amazing moments, life carries on after those moments and you keep writing, right? It doesn't, you don't just stop writing when something major happens, you keep writing. So it is, it's the currency and the lifeblood of what you do. Um, so, so do remember that because I think that's such a huge learning that I've, of I've had through this um, journey on the podcast. Um, Rachel asks Mark, in doing the podcast, what's the greatest piece of advice you've ever been given or heard by an interviewee best-selling author? I think it's just write the bloody thing. I mean, that's the general trend, isn't it? You know, just write the bloody thing, finish it, write it and finish it. It's It sounds, you know, uh, glib and simple, but it's it's the basic building blocks of your job, write and finish it. And um, that's, like I say, it's tough. Finishing it is tough. Um, but yeah, you've got to get on with it. You, you can sit around and twiddle your thumbs all you like, but again, build that habit, right? As often as you can, little bits, little bits, little bits, and you, you, you will get there. Uh, Rachel goes on, what bad habit trait do you find difficult to shift? You got any bad habits, Mr. D? Oh, tons of bad habits. Absolutely loads. I mean, I, I do you, how long have we got? Um, yeah. I've got, <laughs> you know, what I've got, I just started a list. Here's my, here's my bullet journal. If people aren't doing bullet journals, get your bullet journals because I've written just the other day, this is actually something I've done is I've written a list of four things. And actually you could follow along with me on this because I think this is a really good way of doing it. Um, habits, good habits. I have write a list of those habits. I want to solidify. So things you're kind of doing habitually, but aren't really properly happening. Um, and then the other two questions are good habits I'd like to create. So those are the things that are missing in your life and bad habits I want to replace. I keep hearing a lot in person development world, they talk about to-do lists and now people are talking about to-don't lists. I love that. The idea of like, what, what shouldn't you do? And so write down your bad habits, the things that you want to replace and make those the good habits you want to start. Um, so yeah. I've got, honestly, I've got tons in here, mate. I think the trouble with the trouble with habits generally is that it's, again, it's a bit like I was saying earlier about the learning side of things, is that even when you get a good habit going, keeping it going is just as challenging, if not harder than starting it. Like we've seen people start the 200-word day challenge, go out the gates flying, and a month in, they're kind of like, oh, this is really hard. That's where the work begins. So um, 2021, year of writing habits, that's what it's got to be. Um, Matt, what's your favourite word, asked. Rachel asks. Oh, okay. Mark, what's your Rachel, favourite uh, word? Uh, bollocks. It's, it's, you can use it anywhere. <laughs> and it's always effective. And, you know, Sarah Pimbra used it wonderfully on the podcast in her episode. But, uh, yeah, I use it all the time. That's bollocks. I've got a quick story about that. 
quick story about that. When I when I went to when I went to Canada for the first time when I was nineteen, I remember playing pool with some Canadian students, and they asked me to say the word bollocks because they loved it. They thought it was such a great word, and they actually asked me what it meant. And I had to actually stop for the first time in my life and describe in detail what the word bollocks means, which isn't very pleasant when you think about it. Um, look it up online if you want to Google it. I'm not going to do it on the podcast. However, then then. Uh, one of my friends did an amazing shot. He potted the black and I went, oh, that shot was the dog's bollocks. And he went, what's the dog's bollocks? And I'm like, oh, well, the dog's bollocks is the, it's kind of like the opposite of bollocks. Yeah, it's the best. Right? And he's like, that, what? And he said, and because I had to describe what bollocks meant, his mind then went to thinking about what dog's bollocks are and couldn't understand the English language from that moment on. So there you go. Don't ever try and describe that. It's utterly very confusing. Um, Matt's Uh, got a great question. What are some of your favourite quotes from guests? Maybe not even the educational ones, but ones you keep coming back to. The one, the one that I that resonates with me, and we're talking about habits and and getting things done, is is Dion Mayer, who who said, you know, talked about eating the elephant one bite at a time, and I think that is a great attitude to life you know i think that's a great attitude to uh, getting things done and getting work done and not being overwhelmed by everything uh, so yeah take take life one bite at a time and enjoy everyone mm. what about you i for the one of the funniest ones i i always laugh at this is joe hill's um talking about putting a packet of cocaine in every copy of our book to help it sell. I don't know how we got onto that conversation, but that just was well, <laughs> just so surreal. Just I loved it. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> um, I think one of the biggies for me was Joanne Harris when she, she said, just write, you know, you're an mm. author, just write. They talk about the aspiring yeah. author. And she said, no, you're an author. You're not an aspiring author. Just write. She um, said it's bollocks. She said it was, did she say it was bollocks? I'm sure yeah. she did. Yeah, she or may bullshit. she may One well have done. Yeah, yeah, she said it was BS. <laughs> that's right. I think as well. Um, Shannon May was a huge is a huge inspiration, but her interviews early on were a massive inspiration to us. Yes. Um, talking about you know the, the muse is not the muse is is not something that you show up and wait for. You you summon it and say right, let's get to work. That was a big moment for me. And um, Brian Cranston's quote about no matter how challenging your life might be other things that happen there's always a great story that will come out of every yes. every challenge i think that was a really great life lesson from him and yeah. um i mean again it's like trying to choose between your kids there was so every 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 author that we've interviewed has given us at least one or two golden nuggets um absolutely so that's really good what else have we got Matt here? goes on what what writer who hasn't been on the show would you love to interview and why even deceased writers would be interesting. Have you have you got oh, anyone you'd have loads? I'd love to get Simon Pegg on the show. I just, right. <laughs> I don't okay. know why. It's just it, I just would love to get Simon Pegg. He's a an great writer. Great writer. A great writer. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I would yeah. love to. Obviously, it would just be kind of like amazing if Stephen King would join us one day. Just just because it would be amazing. <sighs> yeah, it'd be kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We never give up on that dream. Um, yeah, and I think pretty pretty much every author I've ever read, I would love to interview. I think there's just something mm-hmm. about being able to get inside that person's head and ask them some of those questions that you might never get answers to otherwise. How about you, Mark? Terry Pratchett would have been good, although he was very no-nonsense when it came to writing. He had a journalistic background, and I think he would have been just bloody right. 
Um, I'm, I always regret not getting Carlos Ruiz on, on the show because I'd met him a few times, published him at, you know, we published him at Orion. What people don't know about Carlos is he's a massive, was sadly no longer with us, massive super geek. And, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he was just amazing. And he, uh, I still like to get Neil Gaiman on. I've tried, uh, you know, pitches and what have you, but not heard anything yet. I did try John Cleese recently as well, but I haven't heard anything back. Um, Denise says, have you asked Stephen King or his publicist? Yes, I have. Trust me. Well, I can tell you, I can tell you that when you, when his UK publisher can't always get hold of him, uh, you know, it, it's, um, let alone us trying to get hold of him. But yes, we, we you know, we won't give up on that. No, Stephen Fry would be great. I've, I've met Stephen Fry about three or four times, but it was like 20 years ago. Um, and he was lovely. He was absolutely lovely. Um, but yeah, won't, won't give up He'd on that. He'd be good. But yeah, he's, he's know, a big there's, podcaster there's... as well, isn't he? Tell you what, Mark, I've been is, thinking yeah. for quite a few years now, and I can say that as we're four years old, I've been thinking for quite a few years that we should actually start up a, a vote for you, who you want us to try and get on the show and let the audience just like pile in and see who the most popular one is. And we're getting a lot of um, Kate Atkinson couple of those uh, requests she's a great so writer. everyone's going she's yes 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 all right so i'll promise that over the next 12 months <laughs> maybe sooner we'll get something set up on the podcast so that you can actually come to the website and see who's already been voted for add your votes to that and add the authors um the only rule is is that you can't put yourself mr stay <laughs> we've never actually interviewed you on the show that'd be quite funny but no i think the rule should be is you can't you can't put yourself in um as an author um, because we know a lot of people's dream is to become to come on the podcast, which I love, and I love that that you hold that and, and are working towards that, and we'd love to have you on. Um, when, anyone else? When the, fun stories when the about- film comes out, when the film comes out, you need to get John Wright on the podcast, and he can tell you what it's like working with me. It'll be ah. such a weird experience, but yeah, we should definitely <laughs> do that one. That'd be good. Any any fun stories about what it took to get a writer to do an interview? Ask Matt. What? Uh, it's um the ones who turn up are usually fine we usually ask they say yes or the publicist drops us a line and, and you know we say yes or no um it's the ones who say no who are the funny ones do you remember we nearly got alistair campbell yes. on and he'd written a novel and um they came to us and said oh do you want and i said oh, okay well yeah let's uh, and I, I went to you and said what do you think alice because he's quite a uh, he divides people, doesn't yes. he? You know, he's a politician in the UK for people who don't know. Uh, I, I've got a lot of time from, but a lot of people don't like him. Um, but then he got really, you know, it's like, well, what are their download figures? And and then we never heard anything else. And we, ha- I also had yeah, that. Yeah, but with, also um, publicists can be a bit. Yes, protective. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had the same thing yes. with um, Polly Sampson as well. Uh, who, you know, great novelist, but she's also written lyrics for Pink Floyd. And I think the publicist sensed that I would have spent the entire hour asking questions about writing lyrics for Pink Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Andy, Andy and Rachel have, have put a great comment idea in the, uh, in the chat there, and they've said maybe we should all take to Twitter and bombard Mr. King with requests to come on the show. Maybe we could do what – there could be like a like Zoom bombing. It could be like author – Oh no, it's not a good word. But like, what would it, what would it be called if we were like all to like tweet someone at the same time? A, th- a Twitter storm, don't they call it a thunder yes, whack or yes. something? Something like that. I, I couldn't. I couldn't possibly. You, I couldn't possibly. I couldn't possibly condone such behaviour. Yes. But you yes. know, if you if anyone wanted to do that, then uh, by all means, do it. <laughs> Love bomb. I like that. A word bomb. 
Word bomb. I think that'd be good. I think maybe we'd do that. We'll create the list. We'll see who we want to get for 2021. And then we'll ask everyone to, uh, to, it's a bit like that person that kept on, what was that story about in uh, the band Wheatus? Some fan asked if they would cover Toto's Africa. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. And, and, and it's they, a great oh, yeah, cover. They, they, they did. And they tweeted him over and over again. And everyone else started to join in. And then the band Wheatus actually released, Weezer, was it Weezer? Weezer. They, yeah. Weezer, they released the song, a cover, but it wasn't, the, originally it wasn't the cover of Africa. It was one another Toto song. So they had loads of fun. It's like, yeah, we've done the cover. It's not the one you asked for. So maybe we could do that. Maybe we should ask people to, uh, to do that. Um, I love this question from Ian Sainsbury's Ian, uh, award-winning author, bestseller experiment fan who, ca- uh, after me, who is your favorite guest? <laughs> <laughs> who, who came after Ian? Uh, it was Garth Nix. There you go. Garth Nix was our favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And then, and then and- Queeve says, apart from Ian, did any other guests do the entire interview with their flies open and a large chunk of spinach in their teeth for the whole thing? Yeah, that was Garth Nix again. Garth Nix yeah. again, wasn't it? Uh, Denise Ganley says, what podcast do you each most want to be a guest on? Mr. D, I've got a little list. What's, uh, what are yours? Oh, my goodness. That's a big question. I've always had a dream, and this is ridiculous. You're probably going to laugh. I've always had a dream of going on Oprah just for a laugh, just nice. to see to see what's possible, because I've got a few things I want to chat with her about. Um, that would be cool. There's a lot of, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of big... Um, kind of personal development podcasts out there. I'm sure everyone's very aware of them. Uh, I'd been thinking for a long time to start on my own, but I think going on some of those would be quite fun to really try and open up because I'm quite different. I don't know if anyone's ever heard me being interviewed on other podcasts that aren't book related, but if you imagine, if you imagine what I'm like when I get excited about personal development life and stuff, imagine that times a hundred because that's what I tend to. I'm a little bit, I tone it down a bit for these ones, but yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> How about you, Mark? What would you like to be on? Oh, uh, I'd love to go on script notes. Someone mentioned script notes earlier, but that's uh, John August and Craig Mays in the screenwriting podcast. I love that. That's my favourite. Uh, the Empire podcast, and I have met Chris Hewitt who does that, and I've hassled him about it. When we did Robot Overlords, we almost got on there, but then we got bumped. Um, so I'm hoping with the little people I might get on there again. Um, and there's a podcast by Mark Ellen and David Hepworth called Word in Your Ear, which is sort of spin-off from Word magazine which I loved and was cancelled, but they kept it going with the podcast. And that's great because it's just talking about old records and stuff. And they have a question. They asked people the same question, which was uh, what music was playing in your home when you grew up? You know, oh, and uh, I, I'll ask you that, Mr. D. What music was playing in your in your home when you grew oh, up? Oh, ABBA, Blondie and Beethoven. Pretty nice. much. Yeah. Fantastic. It was quite an eclectic mix, which probably explains my very broad and strange and interesting musical tastes but yeah how about you was it pink floyd and uh, Led zeppelin or was it no my dad was a big moody blues fan big moody blues fan so we got to i you know got i was brainwashed with moody blues before then funnily enough he went through a beethoven phase a classical phase which i think most men do in their sort of mid 40s they have a sort mm-hmm. of midlife crisis and realize they need to listen to classical music mum was great because mum loved uh she loved the beatles but she loved uh Anything with a tragedy, a story like leader of the pack, stuff like that, you know, know. where someone died at the end, you know, tell Laura, (laughs) I love her. All of those songs with terrible ballads, which I love. I love a good ballad. I love a song that tells a story. So that's, that's, that's mine. So 
Well, folks, thank you so much for all of your incredible questions. Thank you for everyone who's joined us on the live show today. We salute you all for sticking with us through the power cuts and everything else. And thank you as well to all of the beautiful comments that we had from um, everyone on the uh, the show as well. We haven't read out. There's a lot of really kind things that people have sent some birthday wishes. Um, so really, my quest to you is if tell us, email us and tell us what you're, or send us a note through the, the website, bestsellerexperiment.com. I have a look at the contact form there. Send us a message. What's the one thing that this podcast has most done for you? If you tell us that as a little birthday um, wish, we'd love to hear from you about that. And we'll be mentioning and dropping those in into future episodes as well. And to Mr. Stay and to, to the beheaded Collie, the Caterpillar Cake, thank you so much for the last four years as well. This has been an incredible yum, yum, journey. Yum. So much fun. And um, I look forward to seeing where it goes because we're, in some ways, I think we're just getting started, which is a scary thing to say. Four more years. Four more years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Brilliant stuff, folks. Well, thank you again for joining us. Um, Mark, if you want to give everyone the rundown of social media. Yeah, come and find us on social media. We're on Twitter less these days, but we are there. We check it daily, uh, which is at XP. Instagram is lots of fun, uh, also at Bestseller XP. And on Facebook, we are the Bestseller Experiment. And of course, if you want to drop us a line, use any of those. But also go to our website, uh, bestsellerexperiment.com. You'll find the contact tab there and drop us a line. We read them all. Brilliant stuff. So it's a goodbye from Mark 1. And a goodbye from Mark 2. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye, folks. Take care. To read Back to Reality, the best-selling novel of the bestseller experiment by the two marks, go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash back to reality. And subscribe to this podcast to get loads of extra bonuses. Go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash subscribe. Yes, supporting artists. That's correct. Yes, they are background artists or supporting artists. Oh, I just saw them flash up. When things in life are bad, they can really make you mad. Uh, other things can make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on last gristle, don't grumble, give a whistle, and this'll help things turn out for the best.